Welcome, and thank you for tuning in to the Graceland Church Podcast. Our mission is to follow Jesus and love our neighbor for the good of the city. Like Pastor Nathan said, I'm Oscar Barajas. I am honored to serve alongside here with this church body. It's a great privilege, and it's also a great privilege uh, uh, to share with you uh, this morning. I don't take this uh, pulpit lightly, so I, I, I'm praying that today's message uh, speaks to you. But since I don't preach every Sunday, um, I was having a lot of trouble kind of organizing my thoughts for today's sermon because I had a few messages in mind, you know, and when I started sermon prepping, there was a ton of notes that I had, but they were scattered all over the place. There were so many verses, so many illustrations, so many things, and I was praying, I was a little frustrated, and I said, God, allow, like, help me really organize this sermon, you know, give me exactly the exact sermon, the exact verse for you for to speak to your people. And, and God spoke to me in a unique way, actually. Um, for the ones that don't know me closely, I am a big Marvel fan. And if you guys don't know me, uh, I say that here a lot. So uh, God spoke to me in a very unique way while I was watching the ending of the movie Avengers Endgame. And uh, he spoke to me so clearly, and he kind of aligned today's message and, and, and spoke to me and said, and I was almost almost crying watching the movie. I'm like, yes, this is powerful. So I hope, even though if you're not a Marvel fan uh, today, I hope that today's message can encourage you. And I promise that at the end of the day, all of, even if you're not a Marvel fan, it'll all hopefully make sense. So is anybody here a Marvel fan? I saw, there you go, a couple people, yes. Okay, first service, there was like two people, and I'm like, oh, dang, like this is going to be a little bit, so it's a little bit better. I saw actually a couple Marvel characters out there. I saw Captain America, a Spider-Man, and, and different kind of uh, uh, heroes out there, so that's pretty cool. Uh, but like I said, when I was looking at this movie, I actually started to see that we can compare some of our beloved Marvel characters to Bible characters, so here are a few. So first of all, Captain America. Captain America can be compared to David. David. They both started out as scrawny kids that nobody takes seriously. This limitation did not hinder their zeal in fighting for their respective countries. Doing the right thing is a common theme, even if that means going up against people twice their size. So that's Captain America and David. The Incredible Hulk and Samson. The big guns in terms of brute strength. Did you know that Samson once killed a thousand men with just a donkey's jawbone? Can you just imagine uh, doing this? If the Bible said every time he uh, did this, he said Samson smash like the Incredible Hulk. Uh, another one is a black, black widow, uh, also known as ancient Romanoff. Uh, and we can compare her with Rahab. They were... They, he, uh, Black Widow was a strategist and a spy, and Rahab successfully hid two spies to help them escape. These two probably have a similar background as well. And the last one, I promise, um, is Wanda, Wanda Maximoff, which can be compared to Ruth. Initially outsiders, they have demonstrated great loyalty in the end. In the end, Ruth... Um, Coming from Moab, a nation with which Israel had a love-hate relationship, and Wanda Maximoff fighting for the other side initially with Ultron. Ruth displaced her loyalty to her mother-in-law, Naomi, not wanting to leave her at any cost. Both also have tremendous impacts as Wanda becomes one of the most 
powerful superhero characters in Marvel. And Ruth becomes the great-grandmother of David, which is where Jesus comes from. And as a kid, I looked up to these characters, you know, I thought they were so cool, you know, probably like some of the kids here today dress up, dress up like them. But I also grew up in church. So uh, my mom says I've been baptized twice because when she got baptized, I, she was pregnant of me and I've been baptized, you know, uh, as, a, uh, as a grown man now. So uh, I believe, uh, so I would grew up in church. So some of these characters that I also compared myself to were these Bible characters that we talked about, like David, Moses. And sometimes I, I ask myself, why do I even try? Because I can never be like Moses. I will never be like David. Like, there will never be stories written about. And I, that's how I compared myself to these characters, to these Bible characters that were so awesome. But it wasn't until I realized that these characters were only put in into practice, this scripture that we're about to read, that I realized that I can cast my anxiety of being like them and just be myself. So if you have your Bibles and you want to open them up to 1 Peter chapter 5, Verse 6, we're going to read verse 6 through seven through 10. Um, they will be up on the screen as well. Um, we will be reading from the English Standard Version. And it says like this. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firming your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your time. Thank you for your presence. Lord, thank you for every person that is in this room, every child. Lord, I pray that um, as I speak, your Holy Spirit uh, touches lives, Lord, and speaks to the life that it's not Oscar's voice, but it's the voice of the Holy Spirit, Lord. I've done everything as a human as I can, Lord. I, I submit to you now, and, and now it's your turn to show up, Lord, for your glory, I pray, Lord, and that uh, uh, people here that are dealing with anxiety can can really cast it off to you. We pray all of this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So I actually struggled a lot with this verse that, with this uh, verses that I, we just read. Um, and the main reason why is because verse 6 tells us this, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you. So me, but the next verse right after that says, cast all your anxieties. So I was having a lot of trouble because I was telling the Lord, like, what does being humble have to do with me casting my anxieties? You're giving me like two things to do here, like one or the other, you know? Uh, but it wasn't until I really started to study the scripture that it became alive into my heart. And I really realized the depth and the power that these verses have. And I pray that uh, today I can share a little bit of that with you today. So point number one, if you are willing to be nothing, 
God will make something of you. This is important because it, it is important because the first scripture says, humble yourselves and then he may exalt you. What does it mean to be humble? Clothing ourselves with humility is demonstrated by submission. It is the ability to cheerfully put away our own agenda for God's, even if God's agenda is expressed through another person. What are some marks of humility? So marks of humility are willingness to perform the lowest and littlest services for Jesus' sake. Maybe that's cleaning the foyer, cleaning the restrooms, or whatever it is. Conscience, number two, consciousness of our inability to do anything apart from God. The willingness to be ignored by others instead of uh, seeking fame. And being other central more than self-central. So to, to show humility is essential to our relationship with God. If we want to live in God's grace, his unmerited favor, then we must lay aside our pride and be humble, not only to him, but also to one another. So this, this is number one. This is the formula to letting go, casting our anxiety, to winning over anxiety. Step number one is to be humble. If God has us in a humble place this morning, we must submit to God's plan he knows the due time he will exalt us, even though we think we know a better time. Sometimes when we're going through a difficult moment, we're going through a season that God is truly maybe humbling, humbling us, going through a struggle. We might think, God, I've been through this long enough. It's time for you to show up. Come on, Lord, like show up now. And we start to uh, tell him these things. But in reality, it's until we humble ourselves and say, God, I don't know when I humanly don't know when you're going to show up, but I trust you. That's step one. And I, I'm going to tell you, uh, it, it continued to, to bother me. But we're going to uh, keep going to, ca to verse 7. This is uh, the, the one that say, he says, casting your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So true humility is shown, number two in your notes, show, true humility is shown by our ability to cast our care upon God. It is a proud presumption to take things into our own worry and care about things that God has promised to take care of. Jesus told us when he was here on earth in Matthew 6, verses 31 through 34, he says, do, therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or, or drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day it, it, it is its own trouble. So being true humility and our ability to cast our care is, is trusting this word. It's trusting the word that Jesus said, do not be anxious. Tomorrow has its own anxiety of its own. If we would heed the command of 1 Peter 5, 6 to be humble and truly humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, we would have far fewer cares to cast on him as invited in 1 Peter 5, 7. So we humble ourselves, probably there's fewer cares to cast upon him in, um, in, in, in 5, 7. But like I said, I was struggling with this verse and one day there was a morning that I went on for a walk and I remember... I don't remember what I was frustrated for, um, but I remember I was on a walk before work, and I was telling God, God, I am 
frustrated. Like I was in my tone to him was not humble at all. I was definitely telling him I'm super frustrated. I'm, I'm God, you tell your word says cast your, your, your cares upon me. And I've done that, but I'm still dealing with stress. I'm still dealing with anxiety. What's going on? So God spoke to me very beautifully, very directly, and, and his love and mercy showed me this illustration as I was taking a walk. So remember, I was taking a walk, and I was outside, um, and he, he showed me this illustration of just me taking a walk with Jesus. And we're on a journey to the Father's house. Okay. And, on, and on the way to, 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 on our journey, Jesus is just telling me how great the Father's house is, uh, all the streets of gold and all of the, he's telling me this, right? But I'm carrying this backpack and I'm getting tired. And we're like, Jesus, I, like I'm getting tired. We need to stop. Like, let me take this backpack off of me, you know? And I, and I give it to Jesus, you know? And I give it to him. And then I cast my cares upon him. This, this backpack full of care, stress, frustration, you know. And then all of a sudden, we start our journey again. And we continue to walk and walk and we continue. And he's telling me about the Father's house, you know. When all of a sudden, I stop and I tell Jesus. I'm like, Jesus, you left my cares and anxieties behind. Where are they? You're not carrying it. You're not carrying my backpack. You're not carrying the backpack that I gave you. What happened? So then I run back and I pick it up back again. And I'm like, you know what, Jesus, don't worry about it. I'll carry it, you know? I'll carry my backpack with my own stress, with my own word. Don't worry, Jesus, I got it, you know? I just need to go to therapy. I just need to exercise a little bit more. Let's just, I, I, I'll, I'll do it. Don't, don't worry about it, you know? And I pick it back up again. And I continue my journey carrying my own cares, my own backpack, my own anxieties. And I'm not to... Um, not to say that therapy or any medical attention is bad, but that was my human way of dealing with it and not trusting Jesus and saying, Jesus, your ways are not good enough for me. I'll carry it on my own. But it's not until we realize and we become humble and say, you know what, God? Your ways are not my ways. Your ways are a lot better. And we actually let go of our backpack full of stress, full of frustration, full of anxiety. And we let Jesus deal with it however he would like. Then we can continue our journey to the Father's house and enjoy Jesus and enjoy our relationship with, the, with, with Jesus as we continue to learn about the Father's house. And verse 7 says, casting. And this might not be a very easy thing to do. In this particular verse, it says casting. It's a very energetic word. And it means to let go, to throw away everything. It's not like just to lay it there so you can pick it back up again. No, it's to completely let it go. And it takes two hands. It takes the hand of prayer and it takes the hand of faith. Okay, the great Charles Spurgeon put it this way. Prayer, one hand, tells God what the care is and asks God to help. While faith believes that God can and will do it. And, we can't, and prayer spreads the letter of trouble and grief before the Lord and opens all its budget. And then faith cries, I believe that God cares and cares for me. I believe that he will bring me out of my distress and make it promote his own glory. So it's not until we humble ourselves and say, God, my ways are not your ways, but I'm going to trust your ways. Through prayer and faith is that we can truly let go of our anxiety, 
So why be humble? Because without humbleness, without humility, we won't be able to cast our cares on him. We will want to deal with it on our own. And why is this? Like the beautiful thing about this scripture, verse still in verse 7, it says, casting all your anxieties on him. And I love this next part. Because he cares for you. Point number three in your notes. When you cast your cares on God, you are casting your cares to the God who cares for you. At their most, at their best moments in, uh, in the religions of ancient Greek culture, sorry, at the best moments the religions of ancient Greek culture could imagine a God who was good. Yet, there never came to a place where they believe in a God who cared. The God of the Bible, the God who is really there, is a God who cares for you. And he's not just leaving your cares behind because he doesn't care for them. That's what I thought. That's when I, he was giving me this illustration is, why are you leaving your, my cares behind and continuing our journey? I trusted you. I trusted you with my cares. And you're leaving them behind. You make me feel like you don't care for them. But let me trust you. Let, let me tell you, trust me when I say that he cares for you. That his ways of dealing with our anxieties, with our cares, with our stress are not our ways. His ways are better. So if he's, he's going to walk away from our backpack full of frustration, of stress, of worries, of anxieties, then let's just follow him. And let's leave that behind. And next thing you know, it, we're at the father's house. Anxiety free, care free, stress free. So one of the characters that is one of my favorites um, from Marvel that I didn't mention um, is Thor. We're going to take a quick look at a quick clip. But in this clip, he is not the Thor we all might know. Now, if you watch the movies and you're all cut up, you, you know what I'm talking about. But like the Thor that we think about, this is not him. Okay, so we're just going to take a quick look at this quick video. A failure? Absolutely. It's a little bit harsh. Do you know what that makes you? Just like everyone else. Well, I'm not supposed to be like everyone else, am I? Mm. Everyone fails at who they're supposed to be Thor. The measure of a person, of a, a hero, is how well they succeed at being who they are. Well, Mr. Mum. You're here to repair your future, not mine. This is about I your future. my business. Hi. You must be mom. I got the thing. Come on, we gotta move. I wish we had more time. No. This was a gift. Now you go and be the man you're meant to be. I love you, mom. Salad. Come on, we gotta go. Three, two, boys. What, what am I looking at? Oh, sometimes it takes a second. <laughs> I'm still worthy. 
So this might be a little bit insignificant to you, but this is how the Lord was talking to me, okay? On the left, you see a superhero, the superhero, the Thor that we all know of, the Thor that we all love throughout the entire movies, okay? But on the right, we see a Thor that's depressed, that is struggles, not to give a little bit too much, but important. He just lost half of his kingdom. Like all his people that he loved, the people that he was scared of, he lost them. So like, and he turned into what we know as fat Thor and not the regular Thor, you know? But that's why his mom told him, eat a salad before he left, you know? But it wasn't in this, it wasn't until this moment that he was in his struggle, that he had lost a ton of people that he loved, that he realized, I'm still worthy. Because why did he say that? Why is that important? Because the hammer that he yielded and that came to him could not be picked up by anybody else that was not worthy. That is the, the story of the hammer, okay? Only people, someone that was worthy. So uh, there's a scene in one of the movies that all the superheroes try to pick it up and they can't. But then in that moment, he needed a reminder that he was worthy. And why is this important to us? How does, is this applied to our life? <clears throat> Verse 8 says, be sober-minded, be watchful. The adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Point four is, you have an enemy that does not care for you, the devil. Resist him. So this is why. Because when you're down in your most, when you're, you're down, depressed, you're, you're struggling, you have anxiety, you know what? The God who cares is going to come and is going to tell you that he cares for you. But you know else, who else is going to come and tell you that, that you're not good enough? The devil. Because he doesn't care for you. Because we have an enemy. And when you're still deep in your darkness, he's going to want to come and put you even more into darkness. He's going to tell you, you're not worth it. You're, why are you coming to church? You're, you're not good enough. But like we saw here in this clip, we can tell the devil, I am still worthy. I don't know. I don't care what you'd say about me. God says I'm still worthy. I don't know what you tell me, but I, the scripture says that I am a son. I am a daughter of the most high God. And that's what you, how you resist the devil. When you're down in your deep darkness, you can still say, I am worthy. I am a son and daughter of the most high. Kids that are in this place, maybe you feel that you are not good enough. Maybe you feel like me growing up in church, you know, and saying, I'm never going to be good enough like the characters were and um, learning about Joshua in our class. Maybe I won't be like Joshua. <sighs> Let me tell you, kids in this place, you are worthy. You are still worthy. You are still a son. You are still a daughter of the most high king. And he loves you. And he cares for you. Verse 10 says, um, sorry, I skipped one. It says, verse 9, resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Number five in your notes, you can take comfort that you're never alone in your struggle. Let me tell you today, maybe you came in this morning struggling a lot. Maybe you feel like you're not good enough. Maybe you have anxiety. Maybe you have, maybe the devil has been telling you that you shouldn't come to church, that you should just give up Christianity, that you're, you'll never be good enough. Let me tell you, I've been there. You're not alone. Let's encourage one another. Let's lift one another up. This is why coming together in fellowship is important so we can lift one another up. So we're not like Thor and we're just 
excluding ourselves from everybody else, but we could come with the body of Christ and lift one another up. Verse 10. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. It's, this one's a little, this verse is a little funny because it says, after you've suffered a little while, we almost want to ask Peter here, why did you say that? But the truth remains, we are only called to his eternal glory after you have suffered a while. We wish we were called to his eternal glory on the no suffering plan, but God uses suffering to restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. And that's number six in your notes. God uses the suffering, uses suffering to restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. And that's biblical. That is straight from the Bible. That is like, that's not something I made up. That is something that verse 10 tells us. He will use the suffering, whatever you're going through this morning. Our sufferings are God's work in us and through us. Peter personally knew the fertility of trying to face suffering and danger in one's own strength. His own failure taught him the need of constant reliance in, of God in our lives. So we need to humble ourselves and say, God, my ways are not your ways. Your ways are better. And we and cast our cares onto him. There's actually an unsung hero in the, in the scriptures that I would call a hero. And um, I'll explain to you why afterwards. But Mark 12, verses 41 to 44 says, And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box, for they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her property, has put in everything she had, and she had to live on. She had to live on. I want to live like this woman that gave everything she had, but still had to live on. Don't you think that giving everything she had would cause anxiety, stress, for this woman, yet she gave it all and had to live on. She, and it says there, had to live on. Let us be like this woman that we give everything. And you might say, man, Oscar, this is easy to say. This is, this is easy to, to say. You, you don't know what I'm going through. And, I, and that's right, I don't. I, maybe I've been in, in a similar situation, like I stated before. There's been situations when I'm here in church and I don't feel his presence. But I'm going to ask Ms. Lisa Biles if she can come and help me illustrate this last point for me. Okay? And I think you had a coat on. If you might want to bring that with you as well. Yeah. So I have a watch uh, on me. I need a three-volt battery. Uh, like, I, I've been needing one for, for a while. So, Ms. Lisa, do you have a three-volt battery that you can give me? Yeah, those small ones? No? Are you sure? I really need it. Did, did, did you just check your pockets? Yeah, check your pockets. Do you, you have a three-volt battery? She has a three-volt battery. She didn't think she had it. She didn't think so. But what she didn't know is that I put it in her. Why? Because before service, I went to Miss Debbie, and I said, can you find someone that you and put this three-volt battery in them without them knowing? 
you know? And she did it and she found Miss Lisa Biles and she put it in her pocket. She didn't think she had it, but I knew she had it and I asked for it because I put it in her. Thank you. Yeah. And, and well, thank you, Miss Lisa. So what... And maybe today you're saying, like I was saying earlier, maybe you feel like your you're anxiety, you're, stre- you're stressed, you're, you're heartbroken. I don't know what the situation is. Anxiety is a word we're using, but it can be anything. It could be anything. And just like Miss Lisa, she actually went to look for it. She looked in her pocket, but it wasn't until she looked for it and she was put into a position, into a place that called for her to look for it, that she didn't do it. Because sitting there, she didn't know this entire time, this entire service, she had it. Our sufferings put us in a situation to find things that we never knew we had. Oh, maybe you're going through a divorce. Maybe you're going through someone passing away. Maybe you're just going through a a moment of of struggling with sin. And you say, God, if I need to get out of this, I'm going to need to find your grace. And you go looking for grace. And you know what? You found grace. If I'm going to get through this divorce, I'm going to need strength. You know what? God, I found strength, but it's not until you're put into that situation of suffering that we go looking for what we need. Let me tell you, church, God is not going to ask you for something that you don't have, that he doesn't know he already put inside of you. Whatever God asks from you, he knows that you have it. You got it, church, because he put it in you. And what, and and how do we conclude all of this? And the worship team can come back up. How do we conclude all this? Maybe you're saying, today. Man, this is difficult, but let me tell you what. Just like this woman that gave her all, let's give our best to the one that gave his best. Verse 11 says, to him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. The God who can do this great work in our lives is of our praise. Maybe today you're saying, man, Oscar, I'm stressed. I'm struggling this morning. Maybe you're saying, man, I'm going through something tough that you can't even imagine. Let me tell you what, give your best. And maybe that is with all your cares, with all anxiety, maybe that is your best. But God didn't ask you for the best. And why? The the woman, the widow didn't give the best. You know why she didn't give the best? Because if she would have given the best, she would have needed to know what everybody else put in the offering box. Today, let's not look around to see what everybody else is doing, but let's give our best worship. She gave her best, and Jesus says it was her best, and she had to live on. Maybe carelessly, freely, anxiety, she gave it all. So today, wherever you are, I dare you to give God your best praise, your best worship, not the best, but your best. Do not look at others giving your best worship. Maybe you've been comparing yourself on social media lately, maybe to your friends. You know, I've done that. I've been there. Man, man, that youth pastor, he's so much cooler than me. He dresses so much better than I do, you know, and I try to be like that youth pastor. I try to be like that preacher. But today, God's not asking you for Pastor Nathan's best. He's asking you for your best. He's asking for Oscar's best. And today, I am willing to be like the woman and say, God, I surrender to you. I know your ways are better than my ways. So I give you my best. So the worship team, if you guys can start playing. And and right there where you are at, whether it's sitting or standing, um, you guys just start giving your best praise to the one that gave his best. He gave his best at the cross. 
And today, maybe you're watching online or maybe you're visiting us for the first time. You've never heard of this Jesus that gave his best. Well, let me tell you, he cares for you today and wants to take your anxiety, wants to take your depression, wants to take your struggles. And let me tell you, church, or maybe you're here and says, Oscar, I've been in church. I know how to do this. Well, still give your best. Let's be humble before the Lord and let's give our best worship today. So as the band plays, I'm gonna invite you, whatever that is for you, however that looks like to you, maybe in your, in your chair, sitting down in prayer and worship, standing up, give your best praise to the one that gave his best this morning. Lord, we fight on our knees. We humble ourselves. We give everything over into your hands. We take the backpack off again, the one that we've picked up over and over again, and we lay it down on your feet. Teach us and lead us in your way everlasting, we pray in Jesus' name. Let's thank Oscar for a great message. Wasn't that awesome? Thank you, Oscar. If you don't know yet, we're, Lord willing, we're launching a Spanish-speaking service at the end of next year, and Oscar will be leading that, Graceland Espanol. So be praying for that. We're really excited about it. And uh, he's also going to stay a part of our teaching team and fully involved in the, in the whole life of the church. Quick reminder, uh, sign up for some community groups on your way out. Meet some people you don't know. Graceland kids, we love you. It's good to have you here with us. I'm going to pray this benediction, and we'll be dismissed. May the sufficiency of our God and his word be a solid foundation for you this week. May his word speak peace to your soul, casting out fear as you are formed by the love that pours through each page. May Christ's all sufficiency be on display as he gives you strength to run the race laid before you, guiding your feet along the way to the finish line and the crown that awaits. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Love you guys.